Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. So when there's a plan A, what happens? Well, plan A works until it doesn't, right? And then when plan A stops working, what do you do? Plan B. And then if plan B doesn't work, plan C. And so sports teams start with a plan A. Military strategists start with a plan A. Businesses start with a plan A. God himself started with a plan A. But unlike sports teams or military strategists or business leaders, God did not adapt or adjust his plan A. He didn't switch to plan B. His plan A still works. God's plan A. It still works. Now, his plan A included a lot of different things. You see on the screen, we're going to be in Matthew 9. His his plan A included all of creation the universe. His plan A included the Redeemer who came. And his plan A continues today, and it includes you, his people, showing his love and sharing his truth with other people. That's God's plan A still going on today. Now, eventually, his plan A will include the final judgment for those who have rejected Christ, And even more joyful, or joyfully, there's no joy about the judgment, but the final redemption for those who have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. As good as life can be on planet Earth, it's insignificant and dull compared to what it's going to be when we are actually in the presence of Jesus Christ. What a blessing. So you are part of God's plan A. And I want you to take your Bible in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus was going out. He was going into small villages. He was going into towns. He was going into cities. He was sharing the gospel message, and he was healing people. Now, God hasn't given us the gift of healing, but that other part we can do. We can go. We can share. We can do that part. And then in verse 36, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. He wasn't annoyed by them. I was thinking about uh, Sa'ada saying she was watching the news reports and some of the atrocities that went on in Sudan and now South Sudan and the horrible conflict. And she wasn't sitting there watching the news thinking, oh, those people are evil. I wish they would. She was filled with compassion for them, to want to share the gospel with them. How do we look upon the world? Christ looked upon those people with compassion. We'll talk about that more in a moment. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
We're going to pause right there. We'll read more a little bit later. But the first thing that we need to do when we're thinking about God's plan A is we need to see the people. Jesus Christ saw the people. He didn't just look at the world. He saw the people in the world. They live in cities and villages in South Sudan and Chandler and Casagrande. Uh, they live all around the world. See the people. Some of them re attended religious services. It, it says Jesus was teaching in their synagogues. They were gathering together for religious services, but those religious services had been corrupted. Instead of teaching the truth of God's word, they were teaching other stuff and they were actually drawing people away from God. And Jesus came to teach the right way to the Father. They don't know the truth. There's a lot of religious people who have met in a place called church today. But in some of those churches, they haven't even opened the Bible and in some of those churches, they ignore the specific teaching of the Bible and they teach other stuff. But Jesus wanted them to hear the truth. And these people had emotional and physical and mental needs. And these people are all around us. Jesus wants us to see the people. All the people on the earth have one thing in common. They each need a Savior. And the only Savior is Jesus. They each need to know Him. They need to hear the truth as Jesus taught. And we can have that opportunity to share it with them. Second thing that we need to see. First, see the people. Secondly, see the need. See the need. Jesus went about all the cities preaching and healing, and then he was moved with compassion when he saw them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion on them. They were fainting. They were weary. They were collapsing. They were scattered, thrown down, harassed, helpless, bewildered, extremely fatigued. You've been there. You've had days of extreme fatigue. And if you kids haven't experienced yet, you've caused your parents to have days of extreme fatigue. Uh, it's going to happen. That's the life on earth. But these people, they, when we get weary when we get exhausted, when it's difficult for us to even get out of bed and start the day, at least we do it with the Lord. People who don't have the Lord, they have no hope. They're just scattered. And they were like sheep having no shepherd. Now, we're far removed from agricultural. How many of you were raised on a farm? Okay, we've got, well, actually quite a few. I wasn't actually raised on a farm, but my grandpa and my uncle had been farmers. And so we spent time around farms with our cousins and stuff. And, uh, and, but when you're raised in an agricultural environment, you see the world a little bit differently. And so when we say a sheep without a shepherd, uh, in today it doesn't connect with us. But try and picture 
a group of sheep. Now, uh, how many of you have seen a group of a couple hundred sheep? That, that's, that's a big smelly mess. But most of the time, they didn't have that many sheep. And they didn't have sheep dogs. And they had a shepherd. And he would have sometimes 20 or 30 sheep that he would be responsible for. Or or 100, right? Like the song, the 90 and 9. But, but he would have this group of sheep. And then he would lead them. And he would have to keep track of them. As he walked, he would sing a tune. And, and he would guide them. And the sheep would be in this field. And they wouldn't go anywhere. Or they'd wander off by themselves unless the shepherd led them. He had to lead them, lead them to the place where there was uh, grass to eat. He had to lead them to the place where there was still waters because sheep don't like to uh, drink by r- rushing waters. I remember when I was a kid and they still thought it, thought it was safe to drink water outside. I can remember standing under a waterfall and trying to chug as much as I could because the water just spilling down, that's not safe anymore. You got to treat the water before you can drink it. Probably wasn't safe back then, but they didn't know any better. But do you see the need, the brokenness of people? Sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd, the sheep could not find pasture. Without a shepherd, the sheep could not find water. Without a shepherd, the sheep could not be safe from the attacking animals. Without a shepherd, the sheep were doomed. They need Jesus to be the shepherd of their souls. These people have this need, and we have the answer. See the need. Thirdly, see the opportunity. See the opportunity. Look at how Jesus phrases the beginning of verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Now we live with some farms around us and I go walking in the farm fields a lot. And uh, you walk along, you see him working, and I wave to, there's a guy in a white truck that I see doing the irrigation, and we've seen each other, and we've talked to each other, and, and there's a guy in a tractor, and I've seen him in that same field several times, and, and uh, one day I wasn't paying attention, and he was coming by, and he, I was walking this way, and he was taking his tractor this way, and I wasn't waving at him, so he honked his horn at me, so I'd wave at him, and scared me half to death out in the middle of an empty field, a horn honked at me, but, uh, but uh, it, you know, we, we have this opportunity here in our culture, in our farms, they only harvest those fields once or twice a year, depending on what they're planting and what they're growing. But Jesus said this harvest is ongoing all the time, and it's plentiful. One of the most difficult things about being a farmer is there's so much beyond your control. A couple of years ago, they had corn crops going great in Iowa. Everything was looking wonderful. Uh, The crops were good. The corn was up high. It was taller than I can reach. Great big stalks of corn. And they were getting ready to harvest. And a storm came in. And it flooded the fields and it ruined most of the harvest. And the farmers were counting on that harvest. That, that was their livelihood. And some of them lost everything because they couldn't get the harvest because of the storm. 
Jesus said, this harvest is ready. What's not happening is there aren't workers. We need to see the opportunity. Showing God's love like Jesus did, sharing God's truth like Jesus did, we can all do that. The harvest is the yield, the fruit, the growth. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plentiful. Now, Jesus is the truth. That's one of his names. And he said, the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. So uh, when he says this is true, it's an absolute fact. This is how it exists. There are people today who might receive Christ if we would just share with them what God's word says about what it means to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. The harvest is plenteous. There's a high quantity. There's a yield there. Uh, There's kids and adults that you can reach for Christ and have an ongoing relationship with them. I used to say when I first became a pastor that one of the coolest things in the world is leading somebody to Christ. And then as a pastor, I then would have the opportunity to baptize them. But I have learned that there's something that's even better than that. And that's when you have led someone to Christ and then you get to watch them lead someone to Christ. Now you're kind of a spiritual grandpa or grandma. You, you reach them and now they've reached someone else. And, and that is even cooler. And God wants you to be involved in see this opportunity. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous. And then he said, there's a problem. The problem's not the harvest. The problem's not the world. The problem's not the people. What's the problem? We need more workers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need to labor in the harvest. Labor in the harvest. Jesus didn't say, those who claim to follow me are few. Jesus didn't say, those who gather together with other believers are few. He said, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. There's few who are actually doing the work. Christians spend a lot of time eating healthfully, which I think is a good thing, exercising regularly. We, we invest wisely. We vote responsibility responsibly. rather. We show love to family and friends, and we spend a lot of time worshiping together and fellowshipping together. And if you're Baptist, fellowshipping kind of means eating, right? No, uh, that's part of it sometimes. But we do a lot of those things, and all, each of those things is good, and all of those things are good activities, But Jesus wants us not to just focus on the good stuff, but on the best, on the best. To have a priority for witnessing to others about him. He wants us to see the lostness of the multitudes. He wants us to be moved with compassion for them. I have experienced, not anybody in this room, But I have experienced being with a Christian, uh, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, being with them while they were talking about some things going on in this world. And they weren't people in this congregation. 
but they were angry and they were livid and they were fussing about those people out there. And when Jesus saw those people out there, he was moved with compassion because he saw their need. I mean, realistically, how should sinners act? Sinners act like sinners. If you have a toddler, you expect that toddler to act like a toddler. You don't expect that toddler to sit down in the chair and say, hey, mom, I've been thinking about quantum physics. If that happens, it's going to scare you. <laughs> it could happen. There's some genius kids out there. But we cannot expect those who don't know Jesus to live with any awareness of God's rules or God's plan or God's hope. We have to expect them to live like sheep without a shepherd who just kind of wander, who kind of do their own thing. And we have to expect them to get involved in the wrong stuff because they don't know how good the good stuff is. And all the advertising and all the information they get from this world, it says, look here, here's your joy, here's your... And, and only in the church can they find to look to God. And we need to carry the church out to them and invite them to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to see the lostness of the multitudes and be moved with compassion just like he was. We should spend less time fussing about our society and more time ministering to people in our society so we can then have an opportunity to share the truth of God's word with them. We can maybe introduce them to the Savior of their souls. What a joy. Number five, Jesus said, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We need to pray for more laborers. Pray for more laborers. The Lord of your salvation, Jesus Christ, is also the Lord of the harvest. He's the same one who brought you to salvation, made your salvation possible, died in your place, paid the penalty for your sin, and you trust in him. He's the Lord He's your Savior. He's the Lord of your salvation. He's also the Lord of the harvest. And He can put you in just the right place to talk to just the right person. I shared before, years ago, I went to visit one of my sister's friends named Oliver. He had a, a brain tumor. And I went to visit him in the hospital at the VA hospital down in Tucson. And, and I shared the gospel with Oliver. And he wasn't ready to trust Christ. He said, I'm not ready and then as I was leaving the room, there was another guy in another bed, and he said, hey, I listened to what you shared. It was one of the old hospital rooms where there's 10 beds in one room, you know, and I listened to what you said, and I want to hear more. And I sat down, I went through it with him, and he trusted Christ. I did not even know that guy's name. I didn't go there to see him, but I went there to talk to Oliver and this guy listened and heard. And sometimes when we're going and trying to witness for Christ, God's going to direct us to the person or the people who are ready and willing to hear because the harvest is plenteous. 
Now, the Trinity of the Godhead wants you to pray that more people will be involved in their program. Uh, The Holy Spirit bringing conviction, the Father drawing them, Jesus paying the penalty for their salvation. They want you to pray that more people will get involved in their program instead of pursuing our own programs. Now, there's a few verses in the Bible that call believers God's elect. And some people get the very unbiblical idea because there is a concept called election presented in the Bible, that you therefore don't do anything. You just follow God, and if God wants people to be saved, it'll just happen. It's just a spontaneous miracle that God does in people's hearts and lives. Well, Jesus asked his followers to pray and ask God to send more laborers, to push out, thrust out more laborers into the harvest. Now, If Jesus had that prayer concern, then we can't just randomly expect people to trust Christ. We have a responsibility to present God's truth to them so that the Holy Spirit can bring conviction, so that the Father can draw them, so that Jesus can save them. We present it. And and Jesus would not have had that prayer request if there were not a responsibility for his people to respond to his leading to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, as the scripture says. To go out and share. Where you work, you share about Christ. You try and live Christ and you share about Christ. Where you live, where you work, where you shop. We need to see the need And we need to pray for more labors because helping people trust and follow Jesus Christ is the most important activity that you and I can ever do in this life. That's the most important thing we can ever do. I have a little thing here. Thing. I have a short article. It was written by a Christian named Monica. She's from the United States, but she's serving in sub-Saharan Africa. And she wrote something on her 30th birthday. She wrote this short article called Single and Serving the Savior. And here's what she said. When I was a kid, my dream was to be a school teacher, a musician, or a basketball player. Later, as a structural engineer, I had the expectation of my future. This is what she imagined. By age 30, I wanted to have a significant corporate career, two kids, and be the kind of mother who planned birthday parties with clowns and inflatable bounce houses. I like the inflatable bounce houses. I'm not a big fan of the clown stuff, but... So that's what she expected by age 30. Now she says, at age 30, I live in an African hut, a far cry from the colonial style house I pictured. The only ladders I'm climbing are not corporate ladders, but ones leading to hut rooftops. I'm not married, but I live in a 10 by 10 hut with a teammate who shares her cans of tuna with me. Some of you cringe just at the concept of eating tuna. I like it. Instead of having two kids, there's a village full of them around me. The only parties I'm throwing are the end of the rainy season celebration. 
I turned in the keys to my BMW convertible to ride on the back of an open-air donkey cart. Who knew that on my 30th birthday, birthday, I would wake up in a world of the Sinofu Sopar people who don't know Jesus? She said, I woke up with a desire in my heart for these friends to know Jesus. Not for any of my previous dreams. My birthday was not what I expected, but it was beyond anything I could have imagined. His plans are far better than anything I could have dreamed. Helping people trust and follow Jesus Christ is the most important activity you and I can ever do anywhere in this life. So today, Sa'ara shared with us her plans for being an answer to Jesus' prayer request in South Sudan. How many of you are glad she's going and not you? <laughs> Aren't you thrilled there's people willing to step up and serve? She plans to fulfill Jesus' prayer request there. She plans to train up future laborers to fulfill that prayer request. So where will you be an answer to Jesus' prayer request? Where will you be the laborer who steps up to serve in the harvest that's ready if there's just faithful laborers? So in a moment, we're going to sing a song. But before we do that, I want you just to close your eyes, nothing mystical, nothing meditational. I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about something. I want you to ask the Lord to show you in your mind, in your heart, somebody you could talk to about Jesus this week. One person, just pray and ask him to show you and then commit to be faithful to do it be the most important thing you could do this week. Now, if you can't think of somebody, then you have a second assignment. Go meet somebody this week that you could talk to about Jesus Christ. Where will you be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace. We thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. We thank you that by believing and trusting in him, we have a home in heaven. But we also thank you that you've left us here, not to be entertained, but to be evangelists, not to enjoy just the good of this world, but to enjoy introducing people to Jesus Christ. May our hearts be filled with the heart of Christ who was moved with compassion on the multitudes. And may we this very week talk to someone about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org.
You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.